Amen. We want to welcome all of those that are joining us online, uh, whether here in Durban, different parts of South Africa, or wherever you're from. Can we put our hands together, family, and give them a big God bless you this morning? Welcome, 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 welcome. And also, thank you so much for your generosity and your willingness to give. You saw there some of the things that our giving does. Amen. Our giving does not go unnoticed. Can you say amen? And so we thank God for each and every one of you. If you have your Bibles uh, this morning, I want you to turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. We also want to put our hands together and welcome all of the folks that are sitting in the overflow. There are people in the chapel and in the conference center. Can we put our hands together? Welcome, 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 welcome. Can't wait for the day when we can finally take all the restrictions down. We don't have to have the masks and we can just all be here and all worshiping together and all sinning next to each other and carrying on as normal. Amen. But anyways, we are here, Romans chapter 8. I do have the sermon outline that is available as always on the church app, and that is available for you, all right? And um, we want you to go back and look at the scriptures and study the content because as long as I'm here, you'll always hear, hear me telling you that faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. And when you've heard some more, you've got to hear some more. And when you think you've heard some more, you've got to hear some more and more and more because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Can you say amen this morning? All right, so let's look at Romans chapter 8. I'm going to look at the Passion Translation first. I'm going to just read the first two verses. It says, so now the case is Closed. The case is what? The case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. Isn't that powerful? Just in that version. I like what the New King James Version says. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to uh, the flesh, but who walk according to to the Spirit. And then in verse 2, I want to read there, it says, uh, for the law of the Spirit of life, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. So those are the two scriptures this morning. Father, once again, what a privilege, what an honor it is as we would come together from all various backgrounds, all various ethnicities, having been made one through the blood of Christ. And we can come and feast on your word once again. And I thank you that your book, your, your word is not just uh, idle words. They're, it's not just black ink on white paper. But I thank you for the living reality of your word this morning. I thank you that as we come that you said to us that man would not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from out of the mouth of God. And I'm praying today, God, even as your word comes to us, let our hearts be open. I thank you for receptivity, that we would have receptive hearts, receptive minds, that your word would come and work in our marriages, in our circumstances, in our situations. I want to thank you that what is impossible with man is possible with you and possible with your word. And this morning, Lord, we just open our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you breathe afresh upon this word in our hearts. Let this word become a reality. 
Lord, we're not interested in just it being a history book or any other book, but I thank you that it's a reality book and the words become flesh and blood on the inside of us. And we vow as always to give you all of the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you just lift your hands right now? Go ahead, just lift your hands right now. Say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Right now, I yield my mind, my thoughts, my ears, every part of me that you would take this word and you would quicken it to my life. Right now, my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive to receive the indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. And when the Word comes, anything can happen. When the Word comes, anything can happen. Lord, I'm expecting the supernatural. I'm expecting the suddenlies of God. I'm expecting what is impossible with man to be made possible because of your Word in Jesus' name. I receive it. I believe it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. All right, praise the Lord. We're going to continue. Uh, I know last week we had Pastor Mark and he sp spoke on unstoppable freedom. And I'd like to talk about that because, of course, on uh, Tuesday, it's Freedom Day. But also, I, I, I just wanted to... Uh, uh, remind ourselves the fact of our founder that tomorrow actually would have been his birthday. So in honor of Dr. Fred uh, uh, Roberts, who would have, uh, I don't know, he would have been, I think, about 89 or something, uh, but tomorrow would have been his birthday. So we want to just um, never ever to forget the work that he started, him together and his wife, Sister Nell. And here we are standing in uh, what they laid for us. Amen, what they laid for us. And so uh, it's just, we wanted to just honor him. I know he's having a celebration in heaven right now. And he's there with all the other saints and people that are loved ones that have gone on to be with him. Uh, but we, we wanted to just honor him today. And uh, can we put our hands together? And I don't know if Sister Nell is watching today, but can we just pray for her as well? Just pray for her. Father, I thank you for Sister Nell and for Dr. Fred and for the lives that were impacted, the way that He gave up His life for us, that today we are here. We are standing on His shoulders, and He laid down the foundation, and we are continuing in that legacy. But we just want to honor Him, and I want to thank Him. Lord, I, I got saved under His ministry, and I want to thank you for Him right now. Thank you for Sister Nell, that you give us supernatural strength and health in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen and amen. All right. So Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. And I don't know about you, but I think if anyone were to ask me what the best chapter in the whole Bible was, I think without a doubt, it would have to be Romans chapter 8. And I know that there are many great chapters and many great books. I'm sure Pastor Wayne has his own book and his own chapter. And there are many great chapters and books in the Bible. But I think for me, chapter 8 is the best because when you read, we've just read two scriptures, but when you read the whole of chapter 8 and when you see what's in chapter 8, for me, it would be the best chapter 
in the whole Bible. But I want us to look closely at verse 1. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation. It's a pretty strong statement if you ask me. And it says, how much condemnation is there again? A little bit of condemnation. How much? There is therefore no, no condemnation, none whatsoever. Actually, in the original language, the emphasis actually falls on that word, squarely on that word, no. There is no condemnation for you and me who are in Christ, none whatsoever, no condemnation at all. And yet so many of us struggle with sin and guilt in our lives when in fact we have been set free and we can and should be experiencing the unstoppable freedom that comes with God. Amen? I also want you to notice, not only does it say no condemnation, but it says uh, the word now. The word what? The word now. There is therefore when no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation. Now no condemnation. And family, this is what makes the Bible just not just a book, but a, a present living reality. When you think about this book that you have, or maybe on your phone right now, it's a book that was written many thousands of years ago over a period of about 1,500 years by, I think, well over 44 authors and written about events that took place way back then. But it is still a book that speaks to you and I today. Hallelujah. I like what the Time magazine, a secular magazine in 2007 had to say about the Bible. This is what it says. The Bible has done more to shape literature, history, entertainment, and culture than any book ever written. That's a secular magazine recognizing the monumental impact that the Bible has had on humanity. Can I get an amen? And it's a bold claim and one that is hard to refute as well. And then when you throw into that equation the number of copies that have been sold to date down through the ages, I think it comes to a figure of about five billion Bibles. And then not to mention all the Bibles that have been given out for free every year comes to about a hundred million. I mean, if you can see, there's no doubt whatsoever the huge influence that the Bible has had on humanity. Can you say amen? If you have your Bible, lift up your Bible and say, thank God for my Bible. Come on, say that this morning. Thank God for my Bible. Lift up your iPhones or wherever you have your Bible and say, thank God for my Bible. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And it's this book that actually separates uh, all the other books from all the other religious books that are out there. It's what makes our faith in Christ a living reality. Can I tell you, family, Christianity is not about regurgitating mantras and prayers and performing rites and ceremonies and having a certain dress code and you only eat a certain type of a food. Christianity is not even what you post on social media. Can I tell you what it is? Christianity is about an authentic relationship with a real, living, loving Savior. 
Hallelujah. Christianity is about an authentic relationship with the real, living, loving Savior. And we know that through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that we serve a living Savior. We don't serve a dead God. We, we look at somebody and tell them, I do not serve a dead God. In fact, you've heard me say, I don't serve a plastic Jesus. There's nothing fake about the Jesus that you serve and that I serve. There's nothing fake about the blood of God. There's nothing fake about the cross. There's nothing fake about the power of God's love. Hallelujah. There's nothing fake about the power of the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen in this place? And uh, that's what makes this thing so real. Every day, you and I can come into the presence of God because He's a real God who desires to commune and fellowship with you even though He's almighty, all-knowing, everywhere, all at the same time. He doesn't live in time. He lives out of time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yet, despite all of that, he wants to have a personal relationship with you. He's ready. Every day, you and I can experience the tangibleness of heaven. Hallelujah. You remember the Old Testament? Every day, the Israelites had to get up, and they had to go and get their own manna. And when they woke up in the morning, there on the, on, the, on the grass, on the floor, on the ground, was all these white little pieces. Manna means, uh, I don't know what it is, uh, but uh, they, they would have to get up. They would have to be intentional. And every day, you and I need to collect for ourselves fresh manna in the form of a now word. Hallelujah. There is therefore now no condemnation. I'm going to make a statement here and then I'll clarify. You are only as victorious as when the word is made now to you. How many of you know that, you know, if you keep food and you just leave it on the table tomorrow, it's not going to be as nice. Make a nice biryani, hey Cyril, and get stuck into it. I mean, there's nothing like a freshly baked when you, when you cook it on that pot outside in the fire. And you eat it. How many of you feel like some biryani right now? I could do with some right now. But you come three days later, a week days later, and if it hasn't been properly, properly refrigerated and all of that, it's not going to be so good. In fact, there might be some stuff growing in there that, you know, it's like, hey, I don't know if I want to go into that, Right? And so it's exactly the same with God's Word. You can't feast on something that the Lord gave you last week or last month or whatever the case is. Every day, you need to get a, a fresh Word from God. And you are only as victorious. In other words, you experience the unstoppable freedom of God when that Word becomes now to you. That's the secret to living a free life. It's the secret to unstoppable freedom. Hallelujah. See, religion never set anyone free. Can I say that one more time? Religion has never set anybody free. In fact, it would just get you more into bondage. That's what it does. Only a real relationship with Jesus can. And when you look at that verse in the Passion, it says those who are joined in life union with Jesus the anointed one, only those who are joined in a life union. In other words, now, now that you put your faith and trust in the person of Jesus, who is a real and living God, there is no condemnation for you. 
Hallelujah. Not just talking about one day when you get to heaven. Well, one day, pastor, praise God, I'm going to be guilt-free. I'm going to be, you know, there's going to be no... No, he's talking about right now. Right now. Given the fact that you are wrapped up in this body of flesh... And you are facing all kinds of things and, and, and temptation. Anybody ever been tempted here? Nobody ever. What a spiritual church we have here today, this morning. My goodness. I hope I become like you. No. Come on. There's temptation. As long as you're wrapped up in this body of flesh and your eyes are seeing and your ears are hearing, there is temptation that comes to you. Can I get an Amen. And he says, given the fact that you're wrapped up in this body of flesh and you're facing all kinds of stuff, hallelujah, there is no condemnation to those who have a life union in partnership, communing, and fellowshipping with Jesus Christ. When you look at this word condemnation, no condemnation, you have to realize that that phrase involves both a present and a future reality. Both a present right now. Right now, there is no condemnation. Not one day when I get to heaven. Thank God for heaven. Thank God that my name, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But right now, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to look at that word. Just if you took that word condemnation in the Greek, it carries two ideas condemnation. If you were condemned, it means, number one, that you're condemned as guilty. You are guilty. You're condemned as guilty. And then number two, you are sentenced to the actual punishment. So that word is pretty powerful in the Greek. And to the Greek readers and the, and the people in the Bible days, they would understand condemnation means that there's I'm condemned as being guilty, and there is a sentence. The fact that I'm guilty now, there's, an, there's a physical punishment that has to come my way because I have been condemned as guilty. It's like, for example, if you look at a house uh, that's kind of been around for a long time, it's, run, it's, it's sort of rack and ruins, and it has a condemned sign on the outside of that house. A condemned house is not only deemed unsafe to live in because it doesn't pass all the building regulations, but it also means that because it's been condemned, there is a judgment hanging over that house. A house that is condemned is a house that's going to be knocked down and destroyed. You, 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 the conditions here do not abide according to the building regulations, etc., etc. And because you are condemned as guilty, now there's a punishment and the, you, you will be knocked down. In other words, the word encompasses both the condition of the house and the future destiny of that house as well. All right? And so when the Bible says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation, no condemnation means, number one, there's no sentence of guilt. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, there's no need to feel guilty. There's no sentence of guilt. And number two, there is no corresponding punishment. Aren't you glad about that? Because some people have the picture of God with red eyes and smoke coming out of his ears and he's holding a shambuck. And he's just about to strike you and, and give you a what? Because... 
because of the guilt and because you've been sentenced and condemned as guilty. But no condemnation means there's no sentence of guilt and there's no corresponding punishment, which means that your God and my God is not angry with me this morning. And it says there's no sentence to guilt, no corresponding punishment for the one who is in Christ. Why? Because of the law of the Spirit that has set us free from the law of sin. Hallelujah. That's powerful. I mean, I tell you what, if you could just spend time meditating just on that verse 2, that the law of the Spirit of life has made me free, has set me free from the law of sin and death, I tell you what, you could reap much just from meditating, allowing that scripture to become a now word on the inside of you. But I want you to see there are three laws that we find here in Romans 8. First one is the law of Moses. Then there's the law of sin. And then there's the law of the Spirit. What's the first one? The law of Moses. Second one, law of sin. Third one, law of the Spirit. When you look at the law of Moses, what is that? That was the written law. And when Moses went up on the mountain, remember Mount Sinai, came back with the Ten Commandments, et cetera, et cetera. God gave Moses a whole lot of commandments for his people to obey. So the law of Moses is the written law, okay? But I want you to know that both the law of sin and the law of the Spirit are actually laws of principle. They are laws that operate inside of you. The law of sin is a principle operating in you, in your flesh, and the law of the Spirit is a principle operating on the inside of your spirit man as well. Can I, can I get an amen? All right. So let's take that a bit further. What do you mean? For example, the law of sin is actually the inward principle of my sinful nature. Where did I get my sinful Where did you get your sinful nature? Is there a technicon? Is there DUT that you have to go to to learn how to sin? No, when Adam sinned, we receive that transgression. So everyone is born with the inherent desire to sin. We know how to sin. We, nobody has to be educated on how to sin. All right, and that is the inward law, the inward principle of the law of sin working in my sinful nature, which is my flesh, which rebels against God and desires to sin over to do the right thing. So the flesh is the tendency within all of us, the flesh, all of us. Is there anybody here that has no flesh this morning? Jazz, is, are you wrapped up in flesh? We're, Wayne, you're wrapped up in flesh this morning. Is there anybody here that's not wrapped up in flesh this morning? I think it's safe to say we're all wrapped up in flesh. And within the flesh is the tendency to operate in the flesh, which is against God, which is contrary to God, which is to operate independent of God, making your flesh, yourself, me, myself, I, as the focus of my attention. And so a person without Jesus Christ actually functions totally in the flesh. And he is worshiping and serving the creature rather than the creator. But how many of you know when you came to Christ? Anybody come to Christ? You've come to Christ? When you came to Christ, 1982, I came to Christ. Many of you 
came to Christ on a certain time. I don't know when it was. But the old man, who's not your father lying at home, but the old man, the old you was crucified and died, and the new you came alive unto God, and you were born again miraculously, all right, by the power of God. But how many of you know that for the years that you spent separated from God while you were in the flesh and you weren't serving God, that the worldly experiences, what you experienced out there in the world programmed your brain and your thought patterns and your memory traces and built into you certain responses and certain habits which are foreign and contrary to God. So, even though the old you is gone and the new you in Christ has come, you're still wrapped up in this flesh. Hallelujah. You're still wrapped up in this flesh. And your flesh remains in opposition to God as a pre-programmed propensity for sin. In other words, if you do nothing, your flesh knows to sin. If you don't pray, that's why it's easy to backslide. All you got to do is just stop praying, stop reading the word, Stop speaking to God, stop, stop worshiping, stop coming to church, stop doing all of that. And what happens? You actually go back to the flesh. You allow what's dormant in the flesh to come almost be resurrected again because within the flesh is the desire to sin. That's the principle, the law of sin, is that it's inwardly in me ready if I give it half a chance. That's what it will do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen in this place? I'm just trying to get really, uh, you know, uh, to be honest with everybody because we have a lot, a lot of people that are spiritual and hallelujah and pastor, I dreamt and dreamt and all of this kind of a stuff, but actually there's a struggle going on and in actual fact, they are not living life that, that is free and, and, and victorious as we should be. And it's because of these principles and these laws that are busy working on the inside of us, all right? And so I just want to help you this morning. Or if the flesh were truly free from all tendency of sin, we would never feel or be liable to be tempted. We, we would never be tempted. We would never be tempted. If the flesh were truly free from all tendency, if the law of sin was, 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 was not operative, then it doesn't matter. We, we wouldn't need to guard against temptation. We wouldn't need to look at, oh, you know, there's a woman and all kinds of stuff. I'm just being honest, right? Hallelujah. I'm just trying to make this thing real because sometimes people are very spooky spiritual and yet they're living defeated lives. Their marriages are on the rocks. They're not living victoriously. They're, not, they're feeling condemned and guilty and trapped and that need not be the case, all right? So if something cannot be burned, it means that fire cannot hurt it. If something's already burned, then it means that fire cannot hurt it. So if, if so let me give you an example here. I've got, I've got two logs. This is a log that's already been burned. Pray for me now, because we don't want to. This is a log that's already been burned. No amount of fire. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a log that's been burned. The fire comes, temptation comes, but there is no response from this log because it's already burned, right? But for many of us, this is not the case. The fire comes and what happens is uh, 
we find that there's a couple of logs that are still open. There's a propensity for us to sin. That's, that, that's what I'm just trying to illustrate there. The fact that we have a very real flesh. This is the part of, that gets you and I into temptation. Hallelujah. So what am I saying? We feel that we must avoid temptation because why? We're conscious of the fact that there are certain logs in our flesh within us that may soon catch fire. What did Jesus say in John 14 and 30? He says, for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. He has nothing in me. He has, this is Jesus speaking. He said, the ruler of this world is coming, but he's got nothing in me. But when the enemy comes to us, he finds not only something, but much actually that is compatible with his purposes. And then when he sows his seeds of weeds, right, the fields of our old nature soon produce a harvest. And what is that harvest? That harvest is things like murder and, and hatred and jealousy and pride and poverty and greed and lust and depression and on and on and on and on and on. But I want you to know, thank God, there's another law, the law of the spirit of life this morning. Hallelujah. Which is a continuing power working with us and within us. The law of the spirit of life. If we didn't have the law of the spirit of life, we would be like that log, all right? But we have the law of the spirit of life that is a continuing power. What kind of a power? A continuing power working with us. Why working with us? Because it's you and the Holy Ghost. There's no such thing as passive Christianity, just taking it easy, lying back and just chilling. You've got to actively engage. You've got to be intentional and purposed about engaging with him, about reading the word, about studying the word like these Bible college students, about talking to God, about worshiping. You have to be ready to step out and say, you know what? He hurt me, they hurt me, but I'm gonna step out and by faith, I'm gonna forgive them. You gotta be intentional about that. So it's you and the Holy Ghost working together, engaging your faith together. Hallelujah. And that's why you've heard me say, there are no Kit Kats in the kingdom of God because the Kit Kat break says, or the Kit Kat advert says, have a break, have a Kit Kat. Let's watch this quickly. Working like a machine. Have a break. Have a Kit Kat. Right, so in the kingdom of God, there's no Kit Kats. There's no break. You can have a lunch bar or a crunchy. You know what, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But I'm just trying to bring a, a home a point that if you just chill and you just kick back and you're not intentional, the law of sin is going to begin to operate in your life. You have to be intentional. In other words, sinful passions can only be conquered as you continually and intentionally purpose to walk in the Spirit and you remind yourself of your position in Christ. Hallelujah. The law of the Spirit is the principle of the Holy Ghost 
living on the inside of you that desires righteousness over sin. And when you look at these three laws, it's important to understand the following. And quickly, I'm going to just say this before we end. The law of Moses, which was the written law, had righteousness, but it had no power. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, in Romans 7 and 12, it says, Therefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. So the law that God gave to Moses was holy. It actually was a reflection of God's righteous character. And there was nothing wrong with the law except with our inability to keep it. The law of Moses was righteous. It had righteousness, but it offered you and I no power to keep the law. The law of sin, when you look at the law of sin, the law of sin has power, but no righteousness. You say, how can you say that it has power? Well, talk to any addict. If the, if the law of sin had no power, we would, need, we would have no rehabilitation places. We wouldn't need psychologists and psychiatrists because guess what? The law of sin has no power. You can just break your addiction like that. But no, the law of sin has power. It has no righteousness whatsoever. So that means that the law of sin, which is the sin principle within me, keeps me from obeying the law of Moses. And the law of sin does not desire God's righteousness, but rebels against God's law. And it has a power, but no righteousness. But when it comes to the law of the Spirit, hallelujah, the law of the Spirit has both power and righteousness. Hey, the law of the Spirit is the principle of God's Holy Spirit living on the inside of me, desiring righteousness and giving you and I the power to obey God's Word. The law of the Spirit has both righteousness and power. And can I tell you something? The law of the Holy Spirit working on the inside of you, that power is a greater power than the power of sin. And you may still struggle sometimes with the sinful nature, even after you've come to know Jesus Christ. But I want you to know that if you are in Christ, you are no longer a slave to the sinful nature. In other words, there's a trap door, and the trap door has been opened, and you have been set free from the law of sin and death because of the law of the Spirit of life that is working on the inside of you. Hallelujah. But it comes with you and I actively engaging. If you pull back, like I said, it doesn't, doesn't take anything to backslide. Just stop reading the Bible. Stop praying. Stop lifting up your hands and worshiping. Even just stop singing. Just stop singing. You're just going to look at people. That's going to cause the law of sin to awaken on the inside of you. You've got to, like I said to you, there's only two times when we can really have a Kit Kat. When we put you in the coffin, we'll put some Kit Kats with you so you can have a break, right? But when Jesus comes back again, mortality will put on immortality, and then we can have as many Kit Kats as we want because there's no need. But until such time, until right now, you are wrapped up in this body of flesh. Come on. Hallelujah. If that body was dead, you'd be decomposing. But that body is very much alive. And all the passions are very much alive on the inside of you. But there's a, a greater law. 
It's the law of the spirit of life that has both the power and the righteousness. It has the ability to keep you in God's word. It has the ability to keep you in God's purposes. And it has the power to keep you in that straight and narrow path. Can you say amen? Everybody stand up to your feet right now in this place. Come on, I want you to lift up your hands to the Lord this morning. I know maybe it was a little bit of a deep teaching this morning and I, I hope that I try to make it as simple as possible. But all you have to know is that there's a greater power working on the inside of you, the law of the spirit of life. Hallelujah. Darkness trembles. Come on, let's sing that. to set many of you free right now in whatever area of your lives. We're talking about unstoppable freedom. We're talking about the law of the spirit of life that has made me free from the law of sin and death. Come on, lift your hands. Those of you watching at home, right there in your rooms, in, the, in your living rooms, in your lounges, in your bedrooms. Father, I thank you that you said we're two or three are gathered in your name, that there you are in the midst of them. And this morning, I thank you for your presence that comes right now. The law of the spirit of life, every shackle of the enemy is broken right now. Lord, I want to thank you today that even as your word has come, that there is has a, a delivering power has come, that people have been set free, that right now the darkness is trembling, the mountains are shaking, 
because of the law of spirit of life that has made us free, set us free from the law of sin and death. And we pray your blessing upon every person. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed, those of you also watching at home this morning. There is therefore now no condemnation. There's no full stop there. For those who are in Christ Jesus. And family, you're either in Christ or you're out of Christ. You're either serving God or you're not. And this morning, we're not here to hold a debate. We're not here to show you how bad you are, how wicked you are. We're not here to show you what kind of a sinner you are. We're just simply saying, if you're out of Christ, you can come into Christ. And I'm not offering you religion. I'm not even giving you something that's superstitious or something that's full of mysticism. I'm offering you a person, a person, Jesus Christ, a living person who wants to have a living, loving relationship with you and who's ready to forgive you. He's not here to condemn you. Jesus was condemned. He was destroyed on that cross and three days later came back to life. So he was condemned as guilty, and then the punishment came upon him, and the wrath of God was placed upon him. So this morning, God is not angry with you. He looks at you and says, I've made a way possible. And if you receive me, I will come and live on the inside of you, and I will enable you and give you the power to do what you're supposed to do. That's why it's not us, it's God in us. And we need every day to be dependent. Even believers, sometimes we can get casual and flippant with God. And then we start operating in the flesh. And actually what we've done is we've allowed the law of sin in our flesh. And so we get offended easily. We don't want to forgive. We feel like we're justified. We feel like, you know what, if I walk uh, with hatred in my heart, it's okay because people have disappointed me and let me down, and it's okay to have bitterness in my heart. I'm justified. You're not justified. That's the law of sin operating in your flesh. The law of the spirit of life draws you to do what is right. It'll draw you to love those who have persecuted you those who have hurt you, those who have wounded you. Oh, but pastor, you don't know what they did. You don't know what the law of, 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 of the spirit of life is able to do on the inside of you. So today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I know that our time is up. You're either in Christ or you're out of Christ. And right now, God stands ready to receive you, not to condemn you. Family, never to condemn you. He'll convict you. And that conviction is just gentle to show you that you're a sinner who's in need of a living, loving Savior. If you don't recognize the fact that you're a sinner, why would you need a Savior? If the prodigal son never came to himself, he would have never gone home and reconciled with his father. He would have been content where he was. But he came to himself and he realized I'm a sinner and I need to go back home and I need to run into my father's arms and I need him to love me and forgive me and embrace me and receive me. And that's what God wants to do with you today. It's very simple. And I know that there are some of you here today that you're not sure. If you're not sure, you can come this morning and you can open your heart. Right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me? Even watching at home today, 
If that's you today, I want you just to slip up your hand just so that I can see. That's me this morning. Is there anybody? Just lift up your hand. Don't be shy. Lift up your hand. Say, that's me, Pastor. All right. We're going to pray this prayer. And those of you at home can say the same prayer. All right. Say these words after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. Just as I am with all of my faults, all of my failures, and all of my sin. And I ask you for forgiveness. Right now, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for your blood that cleanses me and washes me. And right now, I'm born again. I'm your child. I am forgiven. I receive the law of the Spirit of life that sets me free from the law of sin and death. I'll no longer be the same. Jesus, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Now, those of you at home watching online, if you prayed that prayer, would you just let us know, just so that we can help you, we can rejoice with you, we can agree together with you. And if there are needs as well, you can let us know, all right? But just lift your hands before we go. Father, I thank you for your word that's come to us today. Right now that the bondage of condemnation is broken, guilt and shame and the power of that thing is broken from off our lives that we purpose from today to be working together, engaging together with the Holy Ghost. That it's not by our power nor by our might, but by the Spirit who lives on the inside of us. Lord, I bless every person in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of you in the overflow and at home, let's put our hands together and give them a big God bless you. All right. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon. Praise the Lord. Amen.